Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by half of the regular crew this week, joined by Sam. Westy is on holidays, probably on a beach right now, tanning, looking bronze. Uh, he's had a, a week off from the podcast, so hopefully he is enjoying his holidays. But Sam, you are here in fairly dreary uh, Galway with me. Uh, how are you? I like it's no Spain, but I'm sure Westy would much prefer to be here chatting about the win at the weekend. Like, oh, what a day! Uh, so I'm should sure. We, I, should we look at this as a sign that Westy's gone and also or uh, Connacht have their best performance of the year? Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what to take of it because poor Westy, like he's been through. He's been through the take of it, you know. And I think he deserves a day like Saturday. But you know, go off to Spain with your girlfriend all you want. You can't. You can't have it all. You know, can't have your cake and eat it too. But. Other than that, yeah, absolutely flying. I was back home in Dublin. Couldn't make it to the game. I was supposed to go, so I went back to the to Dublin to go up to the game. But uh, just couldn't get someone to mind a baby. So me and Dad watched it at home instead. Uh, and you know that that started off the weekend pretty good. And then Liverpool absolutely humiliating Man United in Old Trafford just made it feel even better. Uh, and then poor King Louis couldn't do the uh, the treble. Then yes, the evening in the USA. Max Verstappen race, but I know overall it was good. Good start to the old. You a you a Lewis fan, are you? I'd like I'd like him. Yeah, I think he's he's a good bloke. No, and in, in, like I don't follow anyone, but I think he's kind of of the two of them. I prefer him, and I want him to win. I really like him as a person. Uh, if I was to pick like my favorite driver, I think Charles Leclerc is just the coolest chap. Like he just does. I actually got so annoyed. Uh, I think it was last week. He turned twenty four. He's only twenty four. <laughs> yeah, he drives for Ferrari from Monaco, Ferrari and he's here, incredibly like. attractive. It's like it's just not fair. Life's not fair sometimes. Now, nah, if he bought that Ferrari just and he lived in Ireland, the insurance company wouldn't chat to him. Like. No, 100%. Uh, my weekend was good. I was back home uh, for my niece Ada's christening, uh, which was yesterday, and I had too much to drink, and I'm suffering today. Uh, it's my own fault. I have no one else to blame but myself. Uh, but uh, So if you can hear that in my voice, I apologize. If I'm not <laughs> fully there today, I also apologize, but I'll give, I'm here. I'm showing up Sam, to work, you know? You know like... I'm actually kind of jealous of you being hungover, mainly because I haven't really been hungover in a long time because uh, I haven't gone out very much. But also because when you're hungover, it means that you're going to cash in with some takeaway this evening. Uh, and if I know you, I know you're going to one of the fine establishments around here. This is what we need. We need to get some we need to get some product placement sponsorship off some of these places. So yeah, we'll true. name drop a few so. of them. That shiny Phil Colgan. Uh, Bandito. I don't. I don't think they're going to be sponsoring anytime soon. Band- Banditos. Bandito. Yeah, well, that's where we're going tonight. So if they're listening yeah. and you want to throw us a couple of free burritos, by all means, we're yeah. we're down. Uh, uh, Gigas in Clarenbridge, also so a big tight. fan of anyone. Anyone listening to the podcast that's from the kind of Orenmore, Clarenbridge area, Gigas and Banditos are my two recommendations. And if you know me, if you know me at all, you know I'm a takeaway fiend uh, and I spend too much in a takeaway fiend. So when I recommend it, you know it's worth going to. Sam Sam has no no problems dropping 40 euro on a takeaway for himself. Zero issues with it. Yeah, but that's I need, impressive. But I need to buy like new school trousers that I'll wear every day to work and they're 13 quid and pennies. And I'm like, ah, oh, I could probably yeah, get it's away a bit pricey. <laughs> It's a bit pricey, yeah. It's, it's amazing what, yeah, how the brain works. Uh, but we're we're three and a half minutes in here. We haven't even spoken about the rugby. We're obviously uh, delighted to recap Connacht's incredible win uh, on on Saturday in the Aviva over Ulster. You mean the sports ground um, east? Sports ground east, which I saw. I did like that actually. Um, yeah, it's it was a day that a lot of people were kind of worried about, seeing as it's a home game that they were giving up. 
Uh, obviously, Ulster are were leading the league uh, in points, and you know a potential disaster, potential banana skin. You know, you'd be looking at one win from five. Um, and it was just, it, it turned out to be such an incredible night, uh, coming out on top, 36 points uh, to 11. A good old-fashioned ass-kicking, uh, really, is what it was, uh, which is not too often. I tweeted that out. I didn't know what to do it myself. Normally, when Connacht win these games, it's like down to the wire last minute. This game was like over like 50, 60-minute mark. And I was, it was a, a rare feeling, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, I, I caveat that by saying it was over if it was any other team in the world. I still was nail-biting because Connacht, the whole second half was ridiculous. Like, we were camped and fair play to Ulster. I know they didn't play well, but what they did was keep us out for a good 20, 25 minutes of that second half, you know. And any friend said after the fact that, you know, being relentless and being fitter and might turn out that in the games we do win, we do rack up a few scores in the last 10 minutes because he wants our team to be fitter and more agile and more mobile and more relentless and that showed but you know there was a good while there i was going we just can't we have all this possession position territory just couldn't break them down we were knocking on the door knocking on the door knocking on the door couldn't do anything uh and i was worried that there would just be a james hume or a mcelroy break and just break our hearts but no fair play to them like i can't wait to talk about it more in depth but no the uh the game it was just brilliant to watch it was brilliant to kind of you know see and i did what i've done the last three or four games not by choice but i had to go media blackout because i was late getting home so i had a pause ready to go so i had the phone in the kitchen and uh i'd say the two lads were like geez sam's definitely not on <laughs> not chatting to yeah, us here you can you you can tell when you're in your blackout because normally if i message your, you respond immediately or vice versa so uh, when westy was responding in front of you i knew something was wrong that was, something's <laughs> up from spain yeah like it's incredible oh, westy um, went through a westy went through a liking uh thing like in mad this morning i got like 50 notifications like 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 all my all my thoughts throughout the game so we must have just turned on twitter just liked everything my sister was giving out because she's like she follows me on twitter like she doesn't really be on twitter but she went on it uh yesterday and she said the amount of connacht rugby like tweets she was seeing all because of me <laughs> she's like i don't want this on my feet this is not what i want to see on twitter she doesn't give a shit about connacht rugby uh so i was like sorry but let's you know we scored five tries that doesn't happen too often uh hansen bags two again the man is on form uh niall murray galloping to that try line in the first half beautifully and of course Porchy uh, also bagged one of delight for him to get one and then Kilgallen scored his first ever try two debut or uh, two what do you call them two first tries for Niall Murray and Kilgallen so that's uh, incredible too Carty obviously then was con- con- uh, conversions and penalties um, 36 points good haul we'll talk about Ulster first a bit uh, though Sam because I don't think it's fair to say that Ulster uh, were really really bad Ulster looked like and correct me if I'm wrong a team that hasn't played that intensity yet in their opening four games and we've kind of been saying that like you know they've done well they've won but they haven't really had a a proper fight yet in a game whereas Connacht coming off Munster game coming off the Bulls which was also pretty high intensity for that first half they looked like they were up to speed a lot quicker than Ulster is that fair to say? Yeah Ulster had definitely flattered to deceive kind of a couple of times this season I think that they they were maximum points going before that game you know they had a bonus point win in each of the previous four games uh yeah we're round five yeah uh but I don't think that they were particularly firing on all cylinders we'd spoken about that before you know I think Hume's played pretty well and I think Addison was playing okay until he got injured and you know uh Timoney a couple of others had had and Doak has obviously you know getting a lot of plaudits but they've, they've played okay but they haven't been what they were, I think, last season, which was the second best team in Ireland and second best team in the league. 
you know, then it kind of it kind of just blew up in their face because, like you said, they hadn't had they haven't been tested yet or they hadn't been tested yet, and we were the best team they'd come up against, and we also had a point to prove and stop them being able to play well. But uh, I think yeah, for the whole, it was as disjointed as a lot of the Ulster fans kind of knew after the fact. A lot of people that we would know, a lot of people that we would follow or interact with online who were Ulster fans had kind of said that was coming. That was a few weeks coming. Everyone could see that coming. Uh, it was just a matter of when, and they were kind of hoping it wasn't against Connacht, but it was, and we're, we're thankful for that. But I think you know, a lot of that is also down to how well Connacht played and what Connacht did in the game plan. And it was similar with the Munster game, and it was similar against Connacht with the Dragons game where we let... Or dragons just made us look bad, and everyone went, "Oh, can't play terrible." I was going, you know, in hindsight, we have to just applaud the dragons that day and how poor they made us look. And I think that that Ulster fans will have to do the same for Connacht after this game. Yeah, definitely. Like this could be. Uh, I was. I think I tweeted this out as well, but I was chatting to a few of the Ulster uh, fans that I, I kind of know, and they were saying that we all agreed that this could be, uh, you know, a great thing for Ulster now that they have this early in the season. Now they know that they aren't necessarily as good as they thought they were for the first few games. Now they've got that kick up the ass. It really could be the springboard they need because they're very. They definitely have the talent, and you know they've got the likes of you know Dwayne Vermeulen's coming over in a month or two, whatever that whenever he arrives. Um, like Doak didn't have a great game by any means, but Doak was behind a pack that was being you know dominated by the Connacht pack. It's again, this is why we were very hesitant for him making the Irish squad. He's only nineteen. These are the games where he needs to experience to get better. It's not the you know the easy wins in Italy. It's it's these games here, like where you're you're up against it. Your packs on the back foot. These are the games that will make you know Doak a better player in the future, and that's why he just needs to stay with Ulster for the time being. I think the majority of Ulster fans are pretty happy with him not making the Irish squad. It seemed online anyway, so it's good to see. It's good to see a fan base that's actually like got their heads screwed on properly. So that's fair play to Ulster for that. Uh, but like we'll talk about uh, Connacht, just fantastic. The only the only negatives that we saw was their discipline. They were they, they were nearly two up for the game. They were too intense, and they gave away some silly penalties. Uh, I think they give away 16 penalties in the whole game, which is just too many penalties. Um, and then in classic Connacht fashion, when Ulster get the yellow card, instead of using it to our advantage, we also get a, a man yellow card at uh, Nottingham the land, uh, just by pure too many uh, penalties. But uh, we'll talk about the, the negatives before we get into the amazing plot itself. The discipline, was it just, like I said, was it just because they were too up for it? Or is this something we should be worried about? Um, I think, yeah, it's 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 become a theme of the last few games and last season as well. And I think that it is something that you have to be wary of, but like friend kind of brushed it to the side afterwards. He said, you know, obviously the discipline wasn't good enough. And he said that in the, in the mid-match interview I watched on TG Carter. And I love the fact that they have mid-match interviews with him. And he did say, you know, I think it was 10 in the first six minutes or six in the first 10 minutes or something. And it was, it was too much. And it definitely was, but I think he kind of just explained that that is part and parcel of coming with the relentlessness that they're they're trying to instill in the team and the 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 line speed is something that's going to get you penalized every once in a while. I thought it was unfair on Delan because it was that was for an accumulation of penalties. And funnily enough, when you rewatch it, I I think that's one of the few he's not offside. I think that there was a couple of things before that. I don't think Delan's particularly offside. I think it's a fast line, but it was coming because of the sheer volume of penalties we'd had. Uh, but you know when you're defending as aggressively and attacking as aggressively as they do and as they're they seem to be able to get up for these interpros and hopefully in the the long-term future for all games i think you will give away probably an inordinate amount of penalties 16 is too much but i think that we will always be on the wrong side of penalty counts because of the way we have to play at that such high intensity to get the best out of our team i think if you look back at the monster game monster can play a six out of ten game 
and beat Connacht who are playing an 8 out of 10 game. Connacht need to be a 9, 9 and a half out of 10 every game for them to win. And it's, there's no reason why they can't beat every team in the league. I was looking through it and teams are, teams are taking points off each other. But I do think that with that level of intensity and that game plan and the players we have, the likes of an Arnold, the likes of Carty this year, who's just a man possessed. Uh, and then, you know, Bundy to come back in and the Fords, Oliver and stuff. I think you will just see more penalties. Discipline, you know, doesn't just come down to penalties given away. It also comes down to like keeping your head. And what was bigger issue for me than the, the penalty count was the just exits. Even the ones that looked like they went well, we got pinged for Finley obstructing and, you know, knock-ons or just poor decision-making or getting isolated and turned over. And that is definitely something that this month I'd, I'd be shocked if that's not the first thing they do when they come back from their holidays next week. Yeah, it, it's it's just so... Because, again, it's it's always coming from they've done well, they've scored a, you know, a penalty, they've scored a try, whatever. To just give the ball straight back like that is just so frustrating to watch. And it is. It's... It's been constant over the first five games, and you, like it's just, just don't you know, silly stuff, silly stuff. Is it like is it, is it like me on the tee box, like with the driver in hand? It's just in my own head at this stage. I think every time they score, they're like, "Oh no, we're receiving it now." Yeah. <laughs> Finley's like, "I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna cut across some lad here," and he does. Like, and I know, uh, I know it goes against the kind of modern rugby way of receiving kickoffs, but if it's not going well, can we just pack in the lifting someone? And just try and catch the ball on the ground because at the moment the lifting someone almost looks like it's confusing matters. And I think you just, if it's not going well once, maybe twice, go back to basics, get the ball in hand, boot it down the field. Like it does, it seems to be people just seem to be out of position or they seem to be easily read by the person taking the drop off or whatever it is. But for whatever reason, that lifting has just added confusion to everyone. What about like a John Terry header shouting away? You know what I mean? Just out over the line. An absolute, I like it. Just an absolute League One standard defender booting it straight out of the air. Straight into touch. Straight over your head. Whatever you're doing, you're doing. Just smash it. Don't even bother trying to catch it. Let's keep it simple, lads. Keep it simple. Um, yeah, the, the pack were fantastic. And like what I've noticed as well, the last couple of games, is like when you think of the Connacht pack, there's no, like, you know, people were, were annoyed that we lost Quinn Rue because we lost a bit of size and whatnot. Like, you know, and Delan and Murray are they're big men, but they're not exactly what you know, when you term, think of terms of rugby, huge men. But we are, like I say again, we Connacht are putting people back in tackles. They are pushing, like, the, the opposition team also are constantly losing yards uh, when it comes to the actual, like, you know, uh, the tackling. And it's incredible. Again, it comes down to pure effort, intensity, that, that line speed, you know, hitting them early, hitting them hard. It must be so difficult uh, to keep that up. And it's it's impressive, as I said, because it's not a big pack, Sam, right? No, it's not. But I think that that's, I think that's by design because you look at like the Munster game and this game and, you know, even the Dragons game, we, we've been lighter packs. And we have, like I said before, Munster, I said, you know, Niall Murray and Oldham Delan, not your biggest, not your John Kleins or not your Queen Ruse or your Lev Fafidas or, you know, even some of the, the young lads like Bairds and, John, uh, James Ryan and Leinster like you know they're not they're not that big but you know Murray, Murray has put made an effort to get bigger and Olden Delan is not no, not small but by second row standards they're not big but I think it just a lot comes down to technique and they look like they're more solid they look like they have a better understanding of what they're supposed to be doing in around the mall and in around the uh, scrum and it's, it's really standing to them and they're standing up and uh, off the back of that they're giving themselves a good platform even if they're not pushing they're not getting pushed back, which is as much of a platform as Carty needs. And I've said this countless times. I think you know, you said you mentioned about Doke on the back foot. Is Carty is inconsistent, yes, but I don't think people give enough credit to that being because he spends a lot 
a higher percentage on the back foot than other out halves do. And you've seen in the last couple of games, he's dominated games because he's not even getting a dominant go forward ball, but he's getting stand, you know, an opportunity to stand with the ball, an opportunity, just solid, clear, clean ball from Marmion and from that back. And it's brilliant. And what we've done with the the back three or the back row, like, you know, Masterson is such a smart player. And I don't think he got half as much credit he deserved after the weekend. Everyone played well. But Masterson, Boyle and Oliver were just obnoxious. They were on everything. They were kind of doing what Clote and uh, Klein and Byrne had done to us the week before. There was everything was just a scrap. Even if Munster got the ball, it wasn't clean. And Oliver, like I said, I voted for him, his new player of the season for us last year in our awards. And I know it was probably a little bit uh, hyperbole at the time, but I did think he was brilliant. And I think he's even gone better again. And I think that at the moment, Jared Butler is going to find it really hard to get back into that starting lineup with Oliver Boyle and Maston playing the way they are. And then Prender has to come back. And you know, then you have Jared Butler and you have... A uh, big pop on the bench, you, you like, and Sean Masterson, who had a really good season last season as well. So I think that you know they might not be the biggest lads, but by God, you wouldn't want to play against them. No, and it's actually great. We there we have options now, as in like we can do the big kind of not but not slow slower pack of bigger men, or we have that option as I did yesterday to have that mobile you know, run around the pitch all day kind of pack as well. So you have the options for that. Yeah, and Conor Oliver obviously won uh, player of the match. He was absolutely incredible. He was, I was so glad that he was in our team because if he was in the opposition team, he's that, as the biggest compliment you can give to a seven, he was an absolute annoying prick. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he, uh, when you're up, like you're just like feck off. Well, yeah, like he's that you know a classic seven performance like that. He's really found a bit of form, and and definitely I think that seven jersey now is his, and, and someone needs to take it off him. And I don't think they're going to take it off him anytime soon. The other side um, of the coin there though is like Nick Timoney, who I I earmarked last week as the player that I think if we can stop him, we can kind of stop Ulster because he's been on the form of his life, and he is he's brilliant, and he he kind of he's probably not taking that uh, Dwayne Vermeulen news too well like he wants to he wants to showcase that when Coetzee left he, he was the man who stepped up but I think that he was nullified as were the rest of the pack and then like Ulster were just completely devoid of any game plan after that and it, it went through to it was just like give the ball to McCluskey and hope that he has a bit of magic and he was running with one hand at one stage he was getting knocked back by Arnold he was getting knocked back by Carty he was getting and it, I felt bad for him because I don't think he wanted the ball as much as he got, but the pack was just nullified by the Connick pack. And those back three were the ones doing it. They were locking people into rooks and just not letting it get out. Yeah, it was just, it was just fantastic to see. Uh, are we annoyed? Is, I was trying to think the other day, is it a good or bad thing that this uh, international break has come now? Would you? I, I kind of would wish we had a game next week now. Do you know what I mean to keep it going? I'd say Andy Friend is happy out because we are, we're on bare bones in terms of our squad. Like, you know, we, we have a lot of players out. Like I, there's a there's a weekly kind of release of players and you know it has like when they're coming back and like Leva's out and it was kind of questionable and Blade was out for a while and now Farrell's out and Bundy was out with the knee. I think the IRF you pulled him. I think he kind of was in contention, but they didn't want to risk it, which is you know good on the IRFU's point point of view, but you just want to see more of Bundy. But ones there's just some of them like Sullivan and Healy, I haven't heard anything about, and they're brilliant players to come back as well. So I think Friend will want to regroup. I think they want to work on a couple of things. They have a good sample size of stuff that's happened now uh, and they'll be able to kind of go back into the changing rooms after a week off and really reassess and look to do things and kind of put things in place and get people back fit. And that will be huge because we have a, a horrible set of fixtures coming up. I think it's, it's Osprey's after and then it's Leinster and then two Europeans and Ulster the day after Christmas. And 
it's going to be an Ulster are going to be tough that day, you know, up in up in Raven Hill in the middle of Christmas. They're not going to want to get beaten again. So I think for friend, if there was a game next week, he'd ride high on it. He'd use it. He'd almost probably pick the same 15 if they were available because, you know, you want to get them lads kind of, you know, riding the crest of the wave. But I think he is going to be quite happy to get his lads back and fit. And Ulster, I think, would be the opposite. I think Ulster are going to hate the fact that they have a month now of sitting on that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Ulster play some AIL games, players are released a little bit, or even some A games between provinces over in England or something, because they're going to want to get back to winning ways. Because like we said, they, they weren't firing on all cylinders before this game, and this was just a reality check for them. So I'm not sure they're going to be too chuffed about this month off now, especially some of the lads maybe that felt they could have been in around the Ireland squad and weren't. Uh, yeah, it's it's like Ulster are only going to get better from this from here on out. But yeah, I think they would have. I think you'd love a game now if you're Ulster next week to try and obviously rectify it. But uh, yeah, a month they have to wait. Uh, we'll have to talk about Mac before we kind of finish up because the man is just in incredible vein of form. He's hit the ground running with Connacht, uh, and now he's probably one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, he's, he's again. I think people forget that he's Irish qualified, which is obviously fantastic news. We'll probably I think, forget anyway. Someone definitely did forget anyway, just saying. Oh, Andy Farrell. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, well, Andy Farrell probably forgot a lot. Uh, I don't know. It's probably still, I think we probably need to see a few more games at a decent level before you can probably bring him into an Irish squad just yet, just because he is so unknown. You know I, what I mean? That we've nothing apart from these four or five I, games. I completely agree. Absolutely. But if you wore red or blue, do you think the same sentiment yes. would be said? Yeah. No, it's it's exactly. It's it's similar to when James Lowe arrived. He hit the ground running too and it was like, you know, trying to get him straight into an Irish trade. Obviously he had to wait, but um, no, I think if he if he consistently does it, which is obviously fantastic for Connacht, if he does, I think then, yeah, he's definitely the kind of player that Ireland could use because he's just a knack of being in the right place right time uh, even like that intercept try he just he did it he read it so well and the reactions were just incredible like he's just been so impressive hasn't he yeah he has he's he's done everything that you could want from him he's including getting a yellow card and you know learning his lesson uh but you know he's 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 looked confident under the high ball he's looked like he can really play the ball and i think what's quite obvious with him and i made this point earlier speaking to that ek rugby analysis is like adaptability in terms of our back line we have lots of players that can play multiple positions and he came having played right across the back line from out half to wing and a bit of full back a bit of center does a bit of kick and and that stands to him because his he's he's not playing a traditional winger role he's playing a modern winger role he's cutting in between the 10 and the 12 12 13 13 15 whatever it is uh, and he looks like he has the skill set to do that looks like you know it doesn't look like the paciest winger he's not like he's not all out pace he's not Balakoon running down but what he's doing is defending he was nearly caught uh, he nearly got caught in the intercept drive by was it Billy Burns nearly caught him yeah someone did but you know that's what I think he's he's smart he's right place right time he's he's aggressive he's an unbelievable step like he's breaking ankles he's stepping in the entire team <laughs> uh, against the against the Bulls in week two and you know it's he's definitely he's putting his hand up for that Irish spot and he's making it he's putting himself in the conversation so early that if he continues the way he is and he doesn't get picked, it would be, it would be unthinkable. It would be a joke. He's really, he's, he's stepping up and doing a lot more than just finishing tries. I've sat in here, we're not on this podcast, before this podcast, I've sat in the stand and called for like, why wasn't Matt Healy in Connick squads when he was scoring left, right and centre? Matt Healy is a phenomenal rugby player, really good defensively, really good at finishing. But Mac is looking like he's playing as a third centre, not just as a winger. And that's why I think, you know, you could definitely see him getting into an Ireland squad sooner rather than later. He's been a revelation. I really like 
his attitude, he looks like he's enjoying himself. And defensively, he looks solid as anything. There was forwards running down that channel and he was standing them up. He was hitting them. You know, it's 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 such a good signing, such a coup for Connick to get a player of that standard. And there was a little bit of question marks about him when he was coming in because people kind of didn't know. But you know, Brumby's fans all over the internet were saying what a loss it was going to be. He was potentially in future, like close future Aussie squads before we got him. So, you know, I'm glad we have him and I'm, you know, I'd love to put pen to paper now for a five-year deal or a Pat Lamb-esque sort of seven-year one or whatever you want because you'd be worried about, you'd be Patrick worried. Mahomes, like, ten-year deal. <laughs> you'd be worried about one of the other provinces, potentially Munster. I know his mom's from Cork, you know, potentially trying to just lure him away when that's what happens. But, you know, if he keeps playing, he seems like he's enjoying himself. I don't see why, you know, he can't go on and play for Ireland and it'd be great for Connacht for that to happen. Yeah, like we've said before, when it comes kind of comes to signing people, a lot of the times they are, you know, they're uh, you're picking them, hoping that they will turn into a great player rather than knowing they're a great player. Uh, and Mac has just, I think, already uh, sort of overshot his expectations of what you know he potentially could be. Now it's a case of obviously keeping it going for the entire season. He's not going to continue probably the try scoring vein just because it's not that easy of a game, uh, and you're going to be coming up against some really good teams. But some, some uh, X factor of player though. Some players getting try scoring habit like that though. I don't know why he wouldn't. If if he gets in the habit of scoring tries, he's 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 making tries out of nothing. Like his tries are all so different. It's not like he's finishing off moves really well. You know, it's not like he's relying on the whole rest of the team to score. It's not Dave Carney. <laughs> That's a sort of little dig in there, but yeah. Sorry, essentially, Kino. essentially, he's making tries. He's making different types of tries, and that'll just stand to him and keep going. Yeah, well, uh, the last thing we'll talk about in Connacht, obviously, we have to talk about Jack. Uh, another, not not his best game by any means, but in in terms of off the tee or anything like that. But, my God, is, is there any player in Ireland at the moment playing with the level of confidence that Jack Carter's playing with? I don't think there is. He's just, he's he's so 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 confident in his abilities. He's running the game well. When the pack is on the front foot like he was, it's obviously, you know, a dream situation for him. But it can't be understated how good Jack Carter's playing right now, Sam, can it? No, and we've always talked about how good he can play and talked about sometimes when games might get away from him. And I, I still maintain that it's it's not necessarily his inconsistencies, it's it's the entire teams, and he just manifests that because he's the, the linchpin, the playmaker. What he does to bring players into the game, you look at Hansen's break that allowed Porch to get that try, he spots the defence and reads it and plays it and it's it's so good he plays his heads up he plays he's the most kind of Finn Russell-esque of the outhouse we have he plays heads up what he started to do this season is play even more aggressively on the line he's really drawing people in and you can see that that's get, giving forwards more space and it's, he's playing with a level of confidence at the moment that you hope he holds on to and that you hope that the forwards continue to kind of be quite dominant in the majority of games and give him that platform and if if he is overlooked in future squads and he continues to play the way he is and people keep saying it's because of the place kicking. I was like, I don't, I don't fully buy into the place kicking. I, Connor Murray has kicked. Billy Burns has been in Irish squads. He doesn't kick for Ulster. You know, would you prefer a fly half that can't kick like Billy Burns or a fly half that kicks and is a bit inconsistent off the tee? But the 99% of what fly half is going to do is play the game on the pitch with the ball in hand. And Carty is so good at bringing players into it. How many times have you ever seen a backline played the way Con- for Ireland, the way Connick's backline played the weekend? And yet, I can't remember since kind of early Joe Schmidt anything that expansive being played. And that all comes from Carty playing with the confidence he's playing with. I think that there was definitely a moment where he screamed in joy at the end of the game. And I think that was aimed at someone. And I think rightfully so, because himself, Cooney, Marmion, and 
potentially a few others can feel aggrieved from being left out of Ireland squads for seemingly no reason. We're not privy to the conversations behind the scenes, but for me, it doesn't seem like you can play your way back into these squads. No, look, Farrell isn't a fan of him for whatever reason. He's entitled to you know, those reasons and whatnot. But definitely, like, Jack comes across such a quiet kind of person that, you know, he comes across sometimes as if he doesn't really care that he doesn't get these squads and all that. I think that roar at the end of that game showed you exactly how much he cares about, you know, his reputation, his his sport. And that's fantastic to see from from our perspective because even, like, sometimes I've questioned, like, Jack, like Jack you know, it almost seems like it's, like, a, an inconvenience for Jack sometimes to play rugby. Do you know what I mean? He's always like, oh, fine, I'll go on. I'll play rather than like you know he's properly up for it but this these, these last few weeks he's, he's just been at a bit of a different level and it's fantastic we'll, we'll talk about the Irish squad now after we get to cover the other games but uh, we'll move on from the Connacht game as if the get, weekend couldn't get any better Sam Munster lost I'm joking it's a Munster joke everyone relax now Munster uh, lost out um, to Ospreys yeah yeah sorry I couldn't think of it off the top of my head uh, and I think we, the main thing we have to talk about here Sam is even though Munster obviously back on it last week again, it was still a pretty poor performance, and another backed up by another really poor performance again this week. Um, should Munster fans be worried, or is this just like a bit of a blip? I I think Munster fans are worried. Uh, I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that they're you know the two poor form performances now, and then you know a good forty minutes of that game was the Stormers as well when they were behind and they they kind of came back and they did the old school Munster thing of grinding out a good result in that game, but. On the whole, no, it's not. It's looked disjointed. Uh, they didn't look like they were really added against Connacht. They they won up front with the try that they scored, but I think that they were they were fairly nullified up front for a lot of that game as well. And you know, it's it's not really looked too rosy for them. The a lot of the narrative going into this game was how exciting that bench was, and they needed the bench, and the bench couldn't deliver really. Like they brought on like Coombs and Healy and Dialande, Murray, and I don't think that they added anything to it. Crowley had a good start to the game, played pretty well. Uh, Casey was nipping around, but I don't think he was as good as people are saying that he is. You know, he still, to me, has to prove himself a lot more, really, if he needs to be considered full-time, the the definite number two for Ireland at the moment, potentially the number one. Uh, and other than that, I think that it was, yeah, it was pretty abject from Munster, and they're not going to be happy with it. It'll leave a sour taste in their mouths going into this break. And, you know, there's there's a a kind of a stormy sort of side to the rest of this season because of the head coach position, the contract situation that's there. So I think is it, uh, Van Grand's been there four years now and he's yet to sign a new deal or yet to be offered. We don't know a new deal. I read earlier rumors that they were thinking of doing a kind of Bristol, bringing him in as a director of rugby, looking at that sort of model, which is quite in vogue at the moment and, you know, allowing Larkham to, to go with it and, all reports when Larkham signed because of the type of player he was, was that he was going to bring that expansive side of the rugby and everyone kind of, every time there was two passes strung together, Munster fans would go, oh yeah, Larkham's really put his footprint in this. But, you know, from reports in Australia, I don't, I don't know for sure because I uh, didn't watch it closely enough when he was there. But from reports, his, his game plan isn't necessarily that expansive. He's, you know, there's kicking emphasis to everything. And I think that, you know, what they do will be quite telling. They either give it to Van Gran and they put up with it and they go the way they're going at the moment and that's continue on this path or they don't and they make a massive statement in the middle of this year because rugby contracts seem to be kind of announced halfway through the season. And then it's then it's it could potentially implode for them. It might not, but it could definitely potentially implode for them with that kind of going. So it's it's a telling few months for them. That I think they really need to get their act together and not having Dialande for big portions of this year is going to be really 
have a big impact on them, I think, because, you know, he's playing, he'll be playing international now. He's played one game and then he'll be off again with South Africa uh, for the November series. And then it'll be, you know, potentially a break after that. So could, could, could be a rough old ride for Munster now. It's, it's not been as rosy as it looks. Yeah, I've heard as well about Van Grand going up to the director role and then Larkham taking over. So I, I, I know whether that's true or not, we don't know, but we'll find out. I think it's probably a smart move to do. I just, it's just not working with Van Grand for whatever reason. It hasn't worked, and that's fine. I think it's time maybe to move on. But, but do you think? Sorry, do you do you think that then what what's the point in putting him in director of rugby if if it's not working with him and they don't believe in him? What what's the point in doing that? Like the director of rugby thing is really quite fashionable at the moment changing the kind of emphasis, changing the, the way that the backroom works. I think uh, Gatland has been made director of rugby for the Chiefs after his year off, you know, and a poor year before that. And Pat Lamb has been made director of rugby instead of head coach. And Leo is director of rugby and they have Lancaster. Around, yeah, Razzie. And that's that's kind of quite in vogue. But is that going to change much if there's, if there's a systemic thing involved there and it's been poor for four years or so under Van Graan? Is Van Graan the issue? And if he is, then you know, they might have to let him go instead of just moving him around and moving the pieces and just changing it. It, it, it. it all depends on how, yeah, it all depends at the moment how much is he actually the issue and then when he does take the director of role rugby, how hands-off is he? When he like, is Larkham allowed to come in and do whatever he wants? Like, you know, like with Razzie in South Africa, it looks like Razzie still has a lot of say in what goes on in that South Africa team. It doesn't seem like it's like... Uh, you know the the head coach at the moment. It doesn't seem like he can do whatever he wants. Whether now Larkin comes in and actually can do whatever he wants, uh, whereas Van Gran is sitting behind him the whole time. It it all depends on the, you know. We'll only find out when it actually happens. You know, but it, it, the next month off for Munster, I think, is big because they come back. The next game they play is Bulls in South Africa, uh, which is a huge game for them as well. But I think this month off will do them the world of good. I think they can go back, sort of reassess. I think Munster they're too good to not. Kind of get back into decent form. I think they will come back into decent form, but that Bulls team in South Africa is going to be a whole different kettle of fish than that Bulls team we've seen so far. Uh, it's not the best game to come back to, really, is it? No, but you say like you say, Munster are too good to not come back to form. Yeah, they are, but Munster are too good at being Munster to not come back to form. If if what the the province wants and what the the people in charge of the province wants, which is a successful Munster, and they're going about it the way they are but the fans clearly don't. There's a disconnect between the fans there wanting an expansive game of rugby and the coaches being able to utilize a non an inexpansive game of rugby. You know, it's it seems like a disconnect because it seems like they're kind of singing off different hymn sheets to me, observing from afar. Anytime they've tried to be playing, they've tried to play expansive, it's happened for small periods of small games, but whenever it's not worked, they've gone back to the monster of old and won. And that for some reason doesn't seem to be good enough but are they able to do the other thing and i don't know you say like they could come back after this month off they could reassess they could say monster go to be in monster let's be monster and they could win every game for the rest of their season like monster not be expansive but win the games that's a successful season they could get to the final they could win the final are the fans going to be happy with that i would be if i was a fan because you want to win and they haven't won anything in over 10 years so it's it's a bit of a disconnect. I don't know will Van Grand get a new contract off the back of it, but you know at some point Munster have to accept if they want to win, they have to win the best way that their team is capable. And at the moment, it looks like playing that old Munster way. I did, I don't I don't think they can win playing the way they're playing now. I think we've seen enough years of that now that we know that it's it's not. They need to. 
they need to adapt and play a bit a bit of a different style. They have the players to do it, but the problem is they know, and it's very possible that there is there could be a teething you know a, a teething stage of a year maybe where it's not going to be very pretty, but it could lead you to actually then winning leagues, winning Champions Cups again. The, this team and the way they're playing, the, you know the style of playing. As I said, it'll win them ninety five percent of their games, but it's not beating Leinster, it's not beating Toulouse, it's not beating you know the, the the top teams in Europe. It's just not, and not not anymore, and that's. To me, I think that's fairly obvious, but I don't. It doesn't seem to be. Yeah, it it looks to me like that's obvious. But if if I were in charge at Munster, I'd park any sort of European ambitions for this year. Go whole hog on this URC Leinster. Like we'll get to the Leinster game. They were good for the first time now this week. Uh, they put up lots of scores, but they haven't looked like that impenetrable Leinster of the past, uh, the last couple of years until this week. I think Munster, you know, with the opportunity that's there with the league structure that's there with the fact that you say they can beat 95% of those teams and they just have to really just have to beat Leinster in a once off there in a final if they get to it if that's the case you know for me winning any silverware like the Rainbow Cup last year was a great opportunity and they fluffed it and you know I was glad they did because we won in Thoman and it was a great day uh, but I don't, I don't think that they should look at Europe at all until they get the domestic side of things working and that is an opportunity for them to use that that beefy game and to use the John Kleins and the Killers and the Peter O'Mahony's and those sort of players who are capable of playing a little bit more expansive than they do or than is successful. But you know they're they're great players, but what they are more than anything is absolute hard men and a good fit and fire and monster pack barely need a backline because they will just dominate most players, most teams. You know. No, I agree. Most teams, but I just don't think it's enough to. To get to the you know the top of the table personally, but again, look, we'll find out. But that, that uh, Bulls that, game, like you said, will be massively telling because if they depend on what type of game they try and play in South Africa, it could it could go really well for them. It could kickstart a whole optimistic side of the season, or it could just be demoralizing. Yeah, hundred percent. We've we've talked about uh, Munster for too long. Uh, Leinster, as you said, in your head, have finally played well, even though they're still unbeaten. Uh, they they come out on top. Uh, against Glasgow, twenty-one points of fifteen. Lens, yeah, I think I think it's you know they're they're just kind of going up to the gears at this stage, pretty much, aren't they? Yeah, and that's maybe what they've been doing the last couple of weeks. They've been trying to not exert themselves. I've said a couple of times, oh, they 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 flattered to see if they didn't really look like they were playing their best, but yet they were still putting fifty points on Scarlets or whatever it was. So you know, it's it, it's hard to really argue when they're putting fifty points up two weeks in a row. But I do think that this this week just looked a little bit better i think ross maloney looked brilliant uh he's he's another he's one of those kind of lads that you could really question why he's not in around ireland squads more uh ron keller has definitely heard rumblings that uh she ends after his position because he just decided to channel his in, inner key and keller and score a stormer uh and then i think ross Byrne, good for all he really really good i'm still i'm still excited to see him in the Ireland squad now and see what he can do as that playmaking 12 and then nice get Adam Byrne on the trial on the score sheet as well so I think that yeah that was a it was a very good Leinster performance I don't know did you see the uh, did you get a chance to watch a replay of the Glasgow try that was awarded which was absolutely mental uh, I don't know I did how, I couldn't I, yeah it's just Matt, how that is allowed is yeah, mental like it, it didn't end up affecting Leinster at all but it just it 
backs up our points from the last couple of weeks about the refing just needing to like TMO needs to say something about that. Every try should be looked at by a TMO and the ref should just wait for something to say. Like that whole kicker taking it quickly sort of thing shouldn't exist because a ref should just go double check. That's all right. Thanks very much. But yeah, it was it was a mental set of circumstances. I don't know. I hope the league don't try and double down or World Rugby try and double down and give some very technical reason as to why he wasn't technically infringing, you know, some sort of complete and utter BS interpretation of the law. Uh, but it was it was not a try. It was mental. And I think that uh, outside of that, Leinster, you know, very, very good, scary kind of thinking that's the case because of some of the players they also have to come back some of the players they had on the bench it's it's you know they are when they are at full complement they're ridiculously strong especially like for the urc standard anyway uh so i'd be worried about them again whereas a couple of weeks ago i said you know what the difference between their starting 15 and their their backups it might be the first time that i've not been massively impressed with lenser i think it was before the dragons game and i was nearly proven right by dragons but no now they're back to just looking like the full full real deal so it's uh it's worrying yeah i think for the rest of the league it definitely is worrying <laughs> but look leinster are going to be leinster and until they are bet then that's just going to be the case um we'll move on we'll touch on the Ireland squad that we didn't get to retouch on last week it was released uh on like at, at 5 p.m or half five in the in the evening which is just way too long but uh, here's a little a tidbit for you, Sam. Uh, the three fly halves that were picked on that Ireland squad, uh, none of them played at the weekend. Uh, Johnny yeah. Sex is injured. Uh, <laughs> uh, Carberry wasn't on the 23. Uh, and then um, Harry Byrne, who is also picked up an injury, didn't play or wasn't on the 23. Uh, look, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that squad. Look, we'll, we'll start with those 10s, obviously, because we were, we've were we been advocates for Carty to make that team. I think a lot of Irish fans have been calling for Carty to make that team, which is, again, when you're starting to see the rest of the kind of provinces saying it, then it's, it's obviously a, a, a clear sign. But it's we're, we're kind of we could have predicted this going into the squad that it was going to be Sexton, it was going to be Carberry, and it was going to be Harry Byrne. I want to talk to you about one one or two things because I've been an advocate as well of you know preparing for World Cups further out than we normally do. Is that what Andy Farrell's doing with Harry Byrne? Does he see Harry Byrne as the starting ten come the World Cup, and is that why he's sticking with him, or what? What do you think? That's not the case the the cynic in me doesn't believe so the cynic in me believes that coaches can be pressured by the general consensus the media the powers above them to pick players because there is a kind of understanding or a thought that they are the future and that the cynic in me believes that that's the case i think there was a lot of calls for harry Byrne to be pulled into the squad prematurely in my opinion still prematurely in my opinion i think he's only played 22 times for leinster for the first team uh one european game correct me if i'm wrong but you know for me that's that's not enough experience at the top level because those games aren't your big european games they're not your interprovincial games they're majority your zebras your uh dragons in the past those sort of games so i don't think you know he was ready to be pulled in there but the you know the the non-singing me would believe okay yeah there is enough about him there's enough about what he's shown he is capable of to be the backup or the starter in the world cup because sexton will be older in the world cup he he is at the moment still playing the best or is still technically the best out half in the country but you know how he's going to be in a world cup in uh two years time is another question so 
there's there's the non-cynical side of me that goes, yeah, okay, fair enough. That is what they're doing. And if they're doing that, then they have to double down. They have to play him. They have to play him in big games. He has to come off the bench in that New Zealand game and he has to get meaningful minutes. And I don't see that happening at the moment, seeing as he's played 23 minutes this season and he wasn't playing in the last game. Maybe rest to get into the Irish squad, but it just doesn't look right to me that you have Carberry, who is massively off form, hasn't been himself since before the big long layoff with the injury, has had really small glimpses of it, but nothing that would allow you to believe that he's, you know, a competent enough 10 to run an international backline against the best in the world. Sexton, who has not played much because of injury this season, he's been, he was ruled out the weekend again. Uh, and then Harry Byrne, who's been out for all but 23 minutes of this season. So it's, it's to me, it's, it's a very strange way to go about it. I get the argument that you don't always pick on form and that you you have ways of playing. That's one of the reasons why we maintain Bundyaki was brought into the Lions squad was because Gatland is picking a player he knows he can get the best out of. And I think that there was a lot of merit in that. But I think that there gets to be a glaringly obvious form argument when players are playing as well as some other players are and players are playing as poorly or not as much enough as some players are. It's just like has and again this is nothing against Harry Byrne like he we all know he's a, he has a talent of a good player a potential good player but has has anyone met a squad and literally like I can't remember one amazing game from Harry Byrne I can't imagine I can't remember like a game a big game where I was like oh Harry Byrne was really good like it just has anyone met a squad and done so little like the man has played a I, handful of games and has has never I've only heard about how good Harry Byrne is I haven't seen it i've i've seen him play extremely well i have uh he's only played 22 times for Lens- but against who who is it against but that's what i'm that, that's what i'm about to say he's playing extremely well in these games he's bringing people in and i've, I've heard people friends of mine and i've argued with them over points on this you know they've been like oh he's the future he plays so well he brings people in he attacks the game line it's like yeah he does when is packer dominant and i'll refer you to what i said earlier on in the podcast Jack Carty plays like that when he's Packer dominant. He's Packer dominant less than Harry Burns are. Harry Burns is playing a lot of games against teams where Leinster are just annihilating the opposition pack and giving them all day. And I'd worry because Ireland are not capable of doing that against most of the teams they play. France put it up to our pack. England put it up to our pack. Wales put it up to our pack. Italy have put it up to our pack in the past. Scotland are looked way better like the six nations is more competitive then you get into a world cup you end up playing southern hemisphere teams south africa's australia's new zealand's they're going to put up to your pack you're playing some of the pacific island teams they're going to be big ireland are not going to dominate the way that leinster do and that's going to not it's going to be a massive wake-up call for the poor chap you know if he does get thrown in the deep end which i think i personally think is too early like i was really surprised to see karen frawley has played like 20 games more than harry Byrne for leinster you know he played a good bit at 10 and at 12 like that's, I think that's that's where you start to get in the idea of putting him into squads, and that's why I think he deserves to be in a squad because he's looked really bright. Yeah, and like people throw throw the the form argument at Jack Carty. Jack Carty has has been in a team that has bet all the provinces last year, and in the last the last time he played Leinster, oh sorry, the time he played Leinster that they won in the RDS, he was man in the match against Munster. He was arguably man in the match. Only actually won man in the match, didn't he? Against Munster in the loss. Yeah. Yeah. Won the man in the match, uh, and then was fantastic against Ulster. Like in big games, he shows up, and uh, the problem is against some of the smaller teams, he doesn't. But like, I, it's just it's. I, it can, I can only imagine how frustrating it is for him, and oh, not just Jack Carty, other players as well. Like, but 
he also has a much bigger sample size to pick from. He has 160 caps. He has 10 for Ireland. So, you know, you can judge him on a lot more. You can judge him on big games. You can judge him on European aways and all of those things, which you just can't with Harry Byrne yet. And, you know, the Irish fan in me wants to have egg on my face at the end of this November internationals. And Harry Byrne has played three stellar games, but I don't see it happen. I see of the three of them, one of them will not be fit enough to play at some stage. I think that like there's, there's injury prone, there's being an elderly <laughs> in rugby terms, and then there's being off form because of a massive injury layoffs. And it just, to me, doesn't make sense to not bring the form player. But that's also going to come across as sour grapes because that's what we are as Connick fans. But I do, as a Connick fan, feel aggrieved that there's only three players in the squad. I think Finley has made himself undroppable from the Irish squad, even though people outside of Connick don't want to admit it. He is absolutely sensational, but Connick, but the rest of Ireland just has some good other props. But Finley is just brilliant, and he brings something different. I think Alton has never put a foot wrong for Ireland. Uh, he was kind of bombed out of the squad for a little while, but he's gotten himself back in, and I'm glad to see it because he's integral, and he also brings dynamism to second row. Bundiaki is a lion, so like you can't be dropping him after that, even though he's only played one game this season. He got his layoff because of he was at the Lions tour, so... Those three, I'm happy out for. I'm really disappointed for the rest of the Connacht squad players like Blade and Boyle who were in around the squad in the summer who didn't do anything wrong, you know, played well. Daly, who inexplicably didn't get a game, was one of two that didn't. It was disappointing as a Connacht fan. I'm going to come across as sour grapes. I'll accept that. I don't care because I can be aggrieved. That's the whole point of being a sports fan. Yeah, it just it's it's weird to me that the way the the thought process. Look, I I totally agree in a lot of aspects. Like, like McCluskey, you know, McCluskey's a good center. Don't get me wrong, but he's been around for our squads now and hasn't met it. Hasn't, you know, won't start a Six Nations game. So why why do we persist with that? Why would we not say like give Tom Daly you know a run in the squad and then see if you know if he makes it or not? Like this, like we all know McCluskey is not going to be a starting center for Ireland. If everyone's fit and available, uh, so why are we why are we sticking with a kind of thing when we have like Tom Daly is playing as well as Stuart McCluskey is at the moment, if not better? So like, why are we as an, as a team again? We just seem to, uh, you know, people have said this, and it seems to be the, it's harder to get out of the squad now than it is to get into it. Like that's that's what we're seeing. Like I'm I'm delighted the likes of Frawley got got in. Uh, he was one of the he's one of two that uh, are uncapped. The second one now has escaped me. Dan Sheehan. Who, Dan Sheen, correct, yes. You no, know, he's tearing it up the same way Keller is. You know, he's 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 looking like a really dynamic uh player, and that's you know, that's only lit a fire under Keller as well. So but even the two of them, I think Rob Herring's playing better personally. I, I really like Rob Herring, and what Rob Herring is good at is being so solid in around the lineup. So, you know, that's a really nice little battle there, and that's you can understand Heffernan's omission there. It doesn't it like I don't like it because I want Heffernan in the squad but I can understand the omission there because those three players are playing out of their skin but when yeah, players Heffernan are, hasn't been in the best form either yeah that's what I mean but when players are admitted and you just can't understand why that's when questions need to be asked in my opinion you no know, it's the same with like the Jack O'Donoghue like you know a lot of Munster fans are saying the same and I'll agree with them because O'Donoghue has been probably their best forward outside of Coombs who's just a machine yeah, I hate playing against like I hate when you kind of play against uh, Jack O'Donnell because I know he's going to be really good. Do you know what I mean? That's uh, that's the biggest compliment you can give to someone. But like Carthy's in a great position now in a sense where he's not on the squad. Everyone wants him to be in the squad, and it's uproar that he's not in the squad, and yet he can still kind of sit at home and watch everyone sort of clamor for him to be in the squad. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a nice position to be in in a way. Uh, and like the problem is now. 
But look, yeah, I like I looking forward to these November internationals now, and this like I'm just not like again I'm a Carberry fan, but he shouldn't be allowed to find form in an Irish jersey. That just shouldn't be happening. What that the the international squads are the elite, and Joey Carberry is not at an elite level right now, and is questionable even to be Munster's starting ten, and he's going to be in an Irish squad for November internationals. Like Harry Burns, not number one at Leinster. Sexton's probably number one at Leinster, but doesn't play that much. Like your number one at Leinster probably still Ross Byrne in terms of playing consistently, and yet he's not on the squad. It's it's just like when you sit down and look at it, it is ma- It's weird. It's mental to think about. It is, but you do have to give a lot of kudos to Andy Farrell. If it's not coming from above and it is his decision at the end of the day, fair play to him for going with it because he's taking a big risk. He's already under fire. You know, he, he bought himself a little bit of time with the England win, but he's definitely got more of the population against him than with him in terms of his Irish coaching uh, credibility and criteria. And he's gone with a Carberry and with a Harry Burns. So he's gone with something that's you know, might not necessarily work for him. And if it backfires, it could be a catastrophic backfire for himself. Uh, so fair play to him for going with that and for sticking with it. I hope it was his decision and not from above. You know, but It does seem like there's a narrative around the future of the 10 position and it's Carberry and Harry Byrne. And it seems to be the get them fit, get them ready, get them ready for the World Cup. And, you know, I, I really hope that that's not the case and that it is his full decision. But right now, if you're picking a Munster team to play tomorrow, Carberry's not starting. Healy's on the form of his life. Even at the weekend, uh, was it Crowley was playing. He played pretty well. Like, Car- Carberry's just not. He's he's not been up to it yet. So, like, that's it's a big, big chance now. If Leinster had a do or die game tomorrow, Sexton and Harry Byrne wouldn't play it because they're both injured. So that's probably why. Uh, Ross Byrne would start, uh, or Ferrali maybe. But yeah, look, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, we'll still support, we hope Ireland do well in the November internationals. We hope we're wrong, uh, but we only time will tell, I shall see. Uh, no URC next week, obviously, to cover, but we'll probably do an Irish rugby podcast maybe when Wesley's back. We'll get all the stories from him his Spanish uh, holiday you uh, know full how... well Westy's lining out for the Spanish national team next week like yeah he is yeah man, the absolutely man, the man lives tier 2 and tier 3 rugby uh, if there's any sort of Spanish like if there's anything any lineage of Spanish in him there he's lining out second row for Spain uh, and, and dominating dominating I just want free gear, man. That's Spanish jersey. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> we'll sponsor. We'll sponsor the Spanish national team. Uh, all right, we'll wrap it up there, Sam. Thank you uh, for showing up. Unlike Westy, useless. Uh, and I will. Uh, I will touch you later. I'm going to enjoy my burrito. Enjoy. Get some taco fries. Don't don't wuss out. Okay, we'll do. Yes. We'll do. All right. Chat you next week. Bye.